ladies, this is Jessica Iterole. And I'm Barbara Saunders Livingston. And we want to welcome you to the Seeking Holy Podcast. A podcast for women seeking Christ in a challenging world. As you listen, we hope you'll be encouraged to open God's Word to seek Him and strengthen your abiding relationship with Christ. Whether you find yourself with plenty of time or not enough time, pour yourself a cup of coffee, grab your Bible, and join us for Seeking Holy. Our God is faithful. We can be faithful because God is faithful. Psalm 89 is saturated with song and stanza of God's faithfulness. I will sing about the Lord's faithful love forever. I will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations with my mouth. For I will declare, faithful love is built up forever. You establish your faithfulness in the heavens. Lord, the heavens praise your wonders, your faithfulness also in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can compare with the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? Lord God of hosts, who is strong like you, Lord? Your faithfulness surrounds you. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Faithful love and truth go before you. The reading of these Psalms is such a beautiful way to open up, isn't it? I love that. We can turn the Bible into prayer. It's been said the mightier any is in the word, the mightier they'll be in prayer. As our desires and prayer life lines up with God's will and word, the mightier in prayer will be because God will start answering our prayers. Why? Why is that? Because they're lining up with God's will and he will start moving mountains. To know what God's will is, is to be a daughter opening and reading His Word. Yes. So when we place faith in God, we believe what He has said is true. And when we act on His Word, when we are faithful, He is pleased with us and we bring Him pleasure. Abraham was called God's friend. He was justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar proving that faith was active together with his works. And by works, faith was perfected. So Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And so he was called God's friend. True faith will work itself out into action, producing genuine obedience and good fruit. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. That's in James 2.26. So all through time, throughout the Bible, God is requiring faith, which produces obedience by His people to His commands. There's many accounts where God gets to the point with His people where He pretty much presents an ultimatum. It's what I like to call the if-and-then clause. So God deals with his people presenting an if and then, or when and will, in an attempt to cause them to choose to be obedient and faithful through action. It's kind of like when our parents said to us, and now we say to our kiddos, if you clean your room, then you can go outside and play. Or when you finish your homework, I will allow you to play the game. 
So a common if and then often quoted is the Lord's response to Solomon after finishing the Lord's temple and the royal palace in 2 Chronicles 7.14. It says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. And, you know, there's many other places where God issues an if and then, placing his people or a person in a position to have to obey and be faithful or suffer the consequences. So a few more here, Exodus 23, 22. If you carefully obey him and do everything I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and a foe to your foes. For Samuel 7, 3 says, Samuel told them, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then get rid of the foreign gods and the asterisks that are among you. Dedicate yourselves to the Lord and worship only him. Then he will rescue you from the hand of the Philistines. There's many more references there in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. First uh, Kings, though, 1821, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If Yahweh is God, then follow him. But if Baal, follow him. Isaiah 48, 18, if only you had paid attention to my commands, then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. And the final one from the New Testament, Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to come with me, then he must deny himself take up his cross and follow me. So real and genuine faith is a call to action and obedience on our part. We see the heart and desires of God expressed, how his moves and blessings contain this if and then clause. Hmm, That's very interesting, this concept of if and then, and it makes perfect sense. I mean, look at all these biblical examples we have, that if we seek him, and obey his precepts, then he will blank. I think of 1 John 5, 14, I think 14 and 15, that says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. We know that we have what we ask of him in his will. He hears and will answer. Of course, this is not about asking things and claiming things. This is about prayer, asking God to do something, asking for his providence, trusting his will that it will be done and that it is good. You know, we can pray according to his will and we can expect him to move. And we don't have to doubt. We can be excited about it. It's a special relationship we're growing with the Lord as we surrender and trust him. In it, he works out the fruits of joy as we anticipate his moving. And ladies, faith is not passive. It is action-based. It takes a lot of work to have faith. The principles are simple. But yes, it can feel like a lot of work as we seek and we trust him and he works that out in us. Think of the passage of the mustard seed. Jesus said in Matthew 17, 20, 
For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. We often tend to think that we just need more faith. Okay, I just need this tiny little faith, faith the size of a little seed. So how do I have more faith? No, no, no. What Jesus is saying here is that if you had real faith, real faith rooted and fixed on me, just the tiniest bit, then you could do the impossible through me. And we're so fixed on how to have more, better faith. And that's such a genuine desire for us to have. But what we need is to fix our eyes on the object of our faith, Jesus the Christ, and surrender to him. Know his promises, ladies. Know his character and believe them. And it is then that we will see mountains move. Now, remember, ladies, God doesn't always just directly give us what we want, but he gives us what we need. God will either change our circumstances or he'll change us through the circumstances, therefore removing those mountains. So perhaps instead of needing more faith, may we utilize the measure of faith we've been given, say, by using our talents God has equipped us with. There's another illustration of how we will be held accountable by putting faith in action by using the talents that God has given us. Jesus shares a parable in Matthew 25, beginning in verse, uh, verse 14. The parable illustrates different levels of faithfulness with different amounts of talent, which a man had given each one of his slaves. So to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. And then he went on a journey. It says the man who had received five talents immediately put them to work and earned five more. And in the same way, the man with two earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and buried his master's money. So after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents, and said, Master, you gave me five talents. Look, I've earned five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share in your master's joy. Then the man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a difficult man. Reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. Look, you have what is yours. But the master replied to him, You evil, lazy slave. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers. And when I returned, I would have received my money back with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has Ten talents. For to everyone who has more will be given, and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken from him, and throw this good for nothing slave into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping 
and gnashing of teeth. Okay, so this account is a call to be faithful, to utilize all God has given us, spiritual gifts, time, talents, resources, in service of our master. But let's not miss a perhaps even greater truth here, however. The parable is also saying, when we do possess a true saving faith, we will find a way to utilize what measure God has given to us. The wicked slave was not condemned for his failure to invest the talent. Rather, his lack of good works showed he lacked genuine faith. And so when we do, we are ultimately serving and being faithful with an audience of one. And it gives him joy and we are able to join him in his joy. And we will one day hear this this statement that I love so much. Well done, good and faithful servant. For we will all one day give an account of how we spend our talents in our lives, whether faithful, investing in the kingdom, and or, and or generous, or doubtful, suspicious, or lazy. Our master, Jesus, says if we are faithful to obey his commands and commission, he calls us his faithful friends as well. John 15, 14 through 15, you are my friends, Jesus said, if you do what I command you. I do not call you slaves anymore because a slave doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. Mm, What a wonderful thought to be a friend with Jesus. Mm. Do we believe that God has given us specifically, intimately, a purpose to fulfill? Do we believe in God's ability to move unmovable mountains? That his promises are for us to grab a hold of. We can read them today in 2020 in our Bibles. We can read his will. We can read his promises. We can hold them up and say, Lord, I read this and I believe this. I trust you. You will fulfill your promise. Amen. Who cares about the obstacle? Who cares about the obstacles in your way? Is your God not greater? Did he not create all things? Even our greatest adversary, the devil, is God's creation. I often think, Lord, who is your equal contender? Why aren't we getting fed up with this? There are enemies of your God. Your precious God who loves you, died for you, and gave his son. I mean, most of us have a home. We have some food and clothing. Sisters, has he been good to you? He's certainly given me more than I deserve. Yes. So why aren't we angry with a godly, heavenly fire over the injustice that's being done in our lives by the adversary? Aren't you tired of the chipping, the accusing, the wearing down? Your enemy studies you and takes that chipping hammer to you and those you hold precious. He accuses you and mocks your God. This should light a fire in us. And yet so many of us are hiding out in caves, waiting to be rescued and unwilling to fight. 
O daughters, please hear me. Has God not given us his mighty armor, his weapons of protection, his belt of truth? We are one of the fortunate ones to have direct and easy access to truth. His helmet of salvation, it is a gift. His breastplate of righteousness, another gift paid for with your Messiah's blood. His shoes for you to spread the gospel in peace, the grip for running swiftly or for standing firm. His shield of faith, another gift. Our faith is being worked out in us daily. I love a message from the late Dr. Walter Martin, and it's stuck with me so much that I pray this almost every day if I can remember to. He says, Lord Jesus, you have said that you have conquered the world. I believe you. Therefore, conquer this day through me. Give to me the victory. Give to me the measure of faith I need for today. Never mind tomorrow. Never mind next week. I might not be here. But give me the measure of faith I need for today. And I love this prayer because it puts right now into frame for today. I can do that. Furthermore, it motivates me to seek him again tomorrow to pray and ask for the same measure. God, he always generously blesses. And lastly, we have been given the sword of the spirit, the word of God. And this, along with other weapons, our praises, thanksgiving, the word of our testimony, we advance the kingdom of God. We're not just built to defend ourselves, but we are defended and then we advance forward. God is good at accomplishing his will. But do we believe that, ladies? Do we truly believe that? And to view our problems with fresh eyes, new lenses, which are focused on the object of our faith, the mighty one. The one who says, what is too difficult for me? The one who's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Those mountains, suddenly, they don't seem so big. Yes. You know, perhaps the greatest need each of us have for our lives is to gain God's perspective mm. on each and every situation, problem, person in our lives. Amen. Amen. And probably... Something that I think is a temptation to think in response to that is, well, how could I ever have God's perspective? He's so much greater than I. But if we pray and we ask for God to just show us, help us to see with his eyes, he'll give to us the measure of wisdom, the, the measure of vernacular, um, that vantage from the watchtower that we spoke a few sessions back. Yes. Um, he will grant that. And he is happy to do so. It gives him great pleasure for us to ask for those things. Yes. More coming up right after this. A lot of prayer, work, and effort goes into this podcast. And while our goal is not to exalt ourselves or even to become widely known, we can always use help to aid us in covering our cost. We created this podcast to encourage women to open their Bibles and rediscover the great Lord. It's our first ambition to faithfully seek, follow, and obey the Lord in every step. And it's under His authority we recognize the responsibility of good and faithful stewardship. We purposefully do not have an advertising or sponsorship program. The advertising you hear on this podcast are resources we personally use and want to advocate for. Every one of them have been prayerfully chosen, and we do not charge to promote them. 
Occasionally, we'll share a product we're using and get a small commission. However, still, we will only vet a product that we can truly say we recommend. So while we've not created this podcast to make money, we understand that one may want to bless us with a financial gift. This is truly a blessing for us as it takes a lot to keep this program running. If you'd like to donate, please visit seekingholy.fm and click on the heart in the upper right-hand corner. We appreciate your contribution. So the anticipation of God moving the unmovable before he's moved it um, is something we're going to talk about now. Praying with confidence. You know, this is what we're talking about. Are we not in a battle? Do you believe that? And I know some people really grasp that and some that's not the the most favorable way to think of it. And the reality is, whether we want to believe it or not, the reality is, is that we are in one. And we need to be training ourselves in the word and disciplining ourselves in prayer before the battle begins, because it's going to come. We cannot stop the battle from coming in our lives, small and great. And see, the battle isn't fought at the climax. The battle is fought and won in the quiet dead of night, in the closets and on the floors of God's people crying out, surrendering and cheering on the one who has already conquered. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord, our victory, the Lord, our banner, lift them high, ladies. Let's lift them high. And I'm not knocking this, but I will say if we sing our worship songs with lyrics like that, lift him up, lift him up. And all we're experiencing is just that feeling in that moment, that feel good feeling. It is not enough because true worship, true lifting him high is done in these private moments. Maybe I sound like I'm hitting this with a hammer. We're talking about obtaining deep faith. And I want us, we want us all. And in the Lord's grace, I need the Lord's grace. Me too. Me too. And all of this, me, to grasp and possess this and reap it, use it and rejoice in it to advance the kingdom of God. There's so much focus and it's necessary to focus on defending ourselves, but we're also meant at some juncture to advance and to move forward and to gain ground. Yes, Jess, I know your passion is birthed out of a genuine desire for ladies. You know, all of us to place our gaze, our focus and our faith in Jesus alone, knowing that when we do our wants our worship and prayers transform into God's plans and purposes, His perfect will for us. Amen. Amen. And I know we're talking about deep things and we're talking about battle and intensity and, and defense and offense and gaining ground. And um, oftentimes, and in the big scope of things, it is this big dramatic ba- battle. But what about some of these smaller things in life? There are uh, things that we want in life, things that we can ask God for that aren't as intense. And so I'm going to kind of come off of that a little bit. I know that we've said early on and in just our style, we get deep. So we like to say, and then uh, we promise to not leave you there. We're going to come out a little bit. So let's talk about the, the things that we want in life. Can we ask God for that? Even the little things. And of course, the answer is 
Sure we can. Let's look at Matthew 6.25. I spent a lot of time here at several junctures in my life, um, just seeking relief from different things. And you know, I didn't want idols. I didn't want excessive riches or fame. I just wanted a little help. I did want a a bit of rescuing, a little relief. And times get hard. And sisters, we find ourselves here, don't we? And it says, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? See, that last line speaks to me, Barbara, because I'm a meat and potatoes kind of girl. (laughs) Well, I'm (laughs) in Oklahoma, so we're fine, too. So I I really like meat and uh, raiment, too. We need to bring that word back, raiment. I'm going raiment shopping. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) Jesus goes on to highlight his attention and providence over the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, comparing them to Solomon. And saying that not even Solomon in his best splendor looked like this. It's such a beautiful, beautiful visual. And he says, uh, wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? And he says, for your heavenly father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And this is kind of the anthem that's been the undercurrent of each one of these series is to seek God first. You can ask him for these things. You can ask him for all kinds of things. There's nothing too small or too great. God is very concerned with the tiniest little matters of your life. And it is about that growing relationship as we talk to him and we trust him. And so we learn to seek him and he will supply. Ladies, there's your formula. We base our prayers on truth, faith in the scriptures, and rest in what God has said in those scriptures. Philippians 4, 6 says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. When we just don't know what the answers are, you know, whether it's big answers we're desperately seeking or even smaller things, we can leave it in God's hands and say, thy will be done. I trust you. This is the basis of faith. And otherwise, if we constantly impose our will upon God, if we're trying to force it and make it happen and just seek that one thing, we have to be careful that it doesn't become an idol. But all in all, we'll never be content until God does what we want. And that sounds miserable. How much misery women are dealing with. Uh, with discontentment, anger, worry, strife. How much of that could all be healed or even avoided if we just prayed, Lord, I really want to have this mountain removed. So please move it. But if it must stay, then change me through it for your glory. I accept. I step out. I trust. I trust you. 
Then watch the mountains of fear, of despair, of worry, of striving. Be removed as he changes you. Watch him use you and excite you as he redeems your pain. If God has meant for your pain to have a purpose, he will want to use it and elevate it to a place where it's used for his glory, that others will see how you handle it and say, wow, wow, God. For example, think of the scene of Paul and Silas blessing God's name in the Philippian jail cell in Acts 16. It says, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison Awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we're all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. Wow. That paints quite a picture, doesn't it? Why, out of all of that, we have this paradox scene of Paul and Silas singing praises in a jail cell, in chains, and this whole event that comes to pass, why in the end would this jailer listen to Paul? We can only surmise it's because Paul's behavior in this crisis, in this situation, proved that God was still on the throne. Notice the jailer and family was saved and baptized. That's the testimony of suffering well. Trust in God. The world takes notice. Living out peace and joy, contentment. It's so countercultural to the way we have a tendency to behave. This is also a reminder to not waste opportunities of suffering by trying to get free. Of course, we pray asking God to remove it, but to also use us in it to remain with us, to comfort us, to walk with us and us with him as we journey through the valley and to get us through. Suffering reveals the deep depth of who we are. Absolutely. I received a, an envelope this week in the mail uh, from a woman, and I believe that she's been listening to the podcast some. Um, and I had shared some of my story about one of the hardest times in my life and how I had uh, gotten through that. And so she shared um, her story with me. And it was so similar um, to what she had gone through. She was taking in some foster children. And at one point, uh, a series of events occurred where she was falsely accused and then eventually convicted of abuse that did not happen. Mm. It was just set up this way. This is what they wanted to believe. And they framed her. 
and she went to jail. And she was describing in her typed testimony um, how afraid she was, how, you know, she had never been to jail. She didn't know how to handle herself. She was scared. Um, But slowly, she wanted to represent Christ. She's a believer uh, well while she was incarcerated. And so she just began singing praises in her cell, and that would attract some of the other ladies and inmates. Um, You know, she would sing hymns. She would sing about her God. And then she began to share the word of God while she was there. And she saw, you know, ladies come to Christ, ladies be encouraged. And, you know, all of this being through being falsely accused. And, Mm. um, and so it was just, you know, this is exactly what we're talking about, that she could have sat there and asked, um, which of course she did ask why, but she could have, you know, that could have been a totally different direction there. She could have been bitter. She could have been angry or unforgiving of her accusers, but she decided to use that situation to be a, uh, a testimony, you know, to the Lord and to other women around her. And so, you know, as we finish this out, how are we to advance forward in our faith? So first we know our God, our Father is faithful. And because He is faithful, we can be faithful with the measure of faith that He has given us, no matter the circumstances or the situations that we're called upon to represent Him in? And is the Lord Himself our focus of worship, our victory, our banner? Are we lifting Him high? Or are we putting more focus on the situation and how we feel? And we serve the same God and Jesus who proposed what I call the if and then clauses to His people. Do we realize that there are consequences, you know, if we don't obey God's commands and great commission? even today. Would I say my faith is more passive or assertive? Is my highest goal to gain God's perspective, understand His will, and then make faith moves and decisions, taking risks based on His promises for the greater good of the people He is seeking to reach with His love and gospel? Am I using the measure of faith and gifts and talents that God has instilled and entrusted to me? Or have I assigned a false identity to God by burying my gifts and talents when God opened the door of opportunity to honor Him and to give others an opportunity to hear the gospel and to see an example of living faith? So, ladies, what is He asking you to do today? What is He asking me to do today? Let us be found faithful. Thank you for joining us. Accompany us next week where we'll discuss forgiveness, wayward paths, and God's pursuit of His sheep in Jess's testimony, A Story of the Prodigal Daughter. See you then. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you can be notified when new episodes are released. Also, please feel free to rate and review our podcast and share it with all your friends. Thank you for spending your time with us. We hope you're leaving with a deepening fascination to fellowship with the one who has created you for his purpose and desires to show you more of his goodness every day.